Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. How confident are you when it comes to life's biggest money decisions? What is real financial peace and how can you get it? Chris Flaming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. They bring together the brightest minds to show you how to have a more confident financial future. They empower listeners with common sense concepts and financial wisdom. And now here are your hosts, LPF Advisors. Hey, welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast. I'm your host here as always, Chris Flaming. And today I have the honor of welcoming Jeffrey Schreiber to the podcast. His South Carolina-based family law practice focuses on predictability and stability for clients while guiding them through unpredictable circumstances. Jeffrey, thanks for being here with me today and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you, so let's hop in. You have an interesting background. I was kind of checking you out online, not stalking you, but just checking you out on your website. So take me through kind of a brief history on your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. I um, My undergrad is in journalism uh, from Auburn University. I saw that. I saw that. Um, quickly discovered after that, that, that working in newspapers wasn't really going to pay the bills. Did a little sales job a couple for a couple of years, kind of came out of a shell a little bit and, and decided, gosh, mid 2000s to, to go back to law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had this place open for about 12 years, 11 years, used to do a little bit higher volume. It's a family law practice entirely, divorce, yep. custody, all the the Jerry Springer stuff that, that nobody really likes to deal with. Um, and over the past, uh, God, we, we ran a fairly high volume practice tried desperately to treat people as though we didn't have a high volume practice. And over the past couple of years, I've transitioned mostly into mediation where okay. I spend three to five days. Well, we book five days a week. I spend uh, those days trying to, to bridge gaps between people on things that they just simply can't get an agreement on. Yeah. Good. Okay. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit because I, that see, I see that as a trend with uh, more people mediating, which I think overall is a good thing. So is there something maybe that you know now that you wish you knew when you started your law practice, if you could go back in time and tell the younger you some advice or give them a, a tidbit, what would that be? You know, occasionally when we are uh, negotiating a, a deal, particularly when it comes to um, asset division and alimony, you will have the supported spouse just uh, dissatisfied with the amount that they're getting offered. And a lot of times I like to dial up a compound interest calculator just to be able to show Mrs. So-and-so, or to be fair, sometimes Mr. So-and-so, um, how the small amount that they made, a relatively small amount that they might be getting from their husband or wife's account uh, will blossom over the years. And every single time I bring up a compound interest calculator, I have to fight the urge to travel back in time and punch myself in the face mm-hmm. for not starting my own retirement earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's funny. We, we get to, uh, as part of our job counsel, a lot of younger people too, they come in seven year itch, three year itch, whatever it may be. And, uh, especially military members who aren't taking advantage of their, their, uh, their military retirement options mm-hmm. and talk to these kids about things and start early. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is the, that is the hardest part. That's the tidbit, the eighth wonder oh, of the world, compound uh, interest. <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> love it and hate it for myself. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but there's still some time to take advantage of it. So 
how did you come to decide on the focus of your practice? I know that you worked for a family law firm before you started your own shop. So what, was that the reason or you, you, or how'd you come to that conclusion? No, I, I knew uh, toward the end of law school, I went to law school at Rutgers in, in Camden, New Jersey. And um, I think my focus, I, I always thought I was going to get into insurance law or something like that, bad faith litigation. And the la- very, very last semester, we had a family law motion practice course that was taught by, not by professors, but by two practitioners. Okay. And they would bring in their their judges in the area and we would argue motions. And, and I enjoyed the idea of, of helping people. I'm a child of divorce, as are many of us. And uh, I, I knew I had the kind of a knack for it. Um, I've always been fairly good at compartmentalizing, uh, subordinating uh, emotional logic, and and I knew that that would come in handy. But it, it's been it's been interesting. There's never a dull moment. No, and everything's always changing. Different circumstances every time. Different personalities. Not, not just different circumstances, different personalities. You see societal changes. Yeah. I, the the level of entitlement that is growing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to say it's just in the younger people, but it's not. And yeah. um, the level of expectations of, of life that are growing, maybe it's social media, people seeing how others are living, all the vacations that are going on. Right. It definitely changes things. And then, of course, market forces, too. When when I started my firm in 2012, we were just coming off of, uh, and I, I was practicing a little bit before that, uh, we were just coming out of 2008. And nobody had equity in houses. Mm-hmm. We were dividing debt. Yeah. Uh, if they had equity, it was the anomaly. And then now it's, uh, you'll see, hell, yesterday I mediated a case where, where a house had gained 200000 in in equity of a $400,000 house in less yeah. than two years. Less than two years, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. entirely bit market forces. It's, right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that that's a good segue then into the, something I wanted to ask you. So do you have an ideal client or, or maybe describe for us what your ideal client is, not the situation of their mediation or their separation, but just people that you enjoy working with um, as an ideal. Well, it it depends if, if if it's a case involving children, I want somebody who is valuing their children more than they're valuing their accounts Mm -hmm. or more than they're focused on even their marriage. I want people who love their children more than they hate their ex. And it's not always out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a financial, some of the biggest hurdles we have are situations in which there's been an overall dependency uh, in a relationship and an equity and knowledge and an equity and involvement. So you will have people and this. This is of all ages who are completely unaware of their own financial situation. Um, I've seen younger people that, you know, people who get married young. Remember, we are in the in the deep south and not that that doesn't happen elsewhere, but and they'll be in their mid to late 20s and, and they they don't know where any of the money goes. Um, and then you'll have older folks. I, I recall early on in my career helping a guy. His wife was in appropriations, uh, CPA and appropriations work for the federal government. So she got to move money around and. um I remember dealing with him and he had never even set up any sort of bill pay on banks. He didn't know how to to do a monthly budget. He had more than enough retirement coming in from his from his own pension work. Um, 
but it's just the the overall dependency that can lead to ignorance and and it's tough so yeah i i I do like people that are keyed in a little bit i'm I'm not a financial advisor i'm not a tax lawyer i'm not an accountant Mm -hmm. Uh, so we we do a lot of spitballing and, and people who are engaged are always the best way to go yeah yeah, or they have those professionals that they can lean on and give them the concept right. on those things. We've got a network, great network of, of people in this area, trustworthy people who, you know, I trust with my own family's money uh, mm-hmm. that we, we send them to, and, and it helps a lot. Yeah. Okay. So are, do you think there are some misconceptions that people have about what it is that you do or, or what you can accomplish for them, you know, as, a, as a, an attorney? What I'll might those the- be? I'll get to the latter Um, and and misconceptions about the divorce attorney. I mean, you see how depicted on television and sometimes it's true. Lawyers in general, I think get a more money focused perception about them. I, you know, I pay my bills the same as everybody else. They're lean times. They're not so lean times. Conceptions about what we can do for people. Absolutely. The, The family court in general it's it's not a place where dreams are made, right? But financially, we're inherently taking one household with maybe one income or maybe two incomes and dividing into two households with one apiece. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same. And as much as the, the courts and the system might be designed to make sure that nobody's eating ribeye while the other's eating ground chuck, nobody's eating ribeye. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're picking up the day olds sometimes. Um, People tend to think that because we're dealing with issues that are really important to them, you know, these are our children we're talking about. These are our homes. These are the additions, the deck that I built with my bare hands. Uh, sometimes they're, they're material things, end tables, refrigerators. You know, people tend to think that because these things are really important to them, that they'll be really important to the court. Right. And, and that's not necessarily the case. It's not going to fix everything. It's going to split a baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I think expectation management is key, but not a lot of lawyers want to do that. It's right. it's not great for people saying, sure, be my lawyer when you're telling them how bad it could go. Mm-hmm. But it's a necessary conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and you bring up a good point, which is this is for most people, one of life's biggest transitions. They've even kind of compared it to grieving like a like a death. Right. There's a big never gone through it. So how, how do you go about kind of de-stressing the process or helping to manage expectations for people when they may not have the right expectations for what's going to happen? Well, it starts with knowledge. We on financial cases, we absolutely have to sit down early on and, and provide an idea as to where things can go. Mm-hmm. It's. For child-related cases, we have to get and gauge where a particular client is on their, are they going to appreciate the other person as a parent or are they going to look at them as a sperm donor or a, you know, just a babysitter? It comes from frank discussions early on and taking the stress out of people depends upon, or excuse me, relieving people's stress will will often require a, a level of handholding that I don't think you have to do in many other types of, of mm-hmm. legal work, aside from maybe some personal injury work. Yeah. But it's, um, it just takes detail and yeah. not all of, I'm blessed to work with some great folks, uh, great colleagues, um, but there are those that, that just are in it for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think there's an educational component to it. 
And then I, I think about setting expectations where telling them in advance, like this is how bad of an outcome we could have, because no one likes bad surprises, right? right? Everybody's right. well, good surprises are fine, but no one likes a bad surprise. Right. Uh, so if you can tell this is how bad it could get, no, we're not going to shoot for that. We're going to try to aim for much better. Um, but then at least they have an idea of, of an expectation. I have to, I have to, um, I have to uh, remind people that I'm not necessarily a pessimist. I'm maybe a cynic, maybe an optimist with experience, but it's not unlike, and again, not a financial advisor, but I would imagine that if you're having a a meeting with somebody who's, who's looking to have their, their wealth managed or their money managed, if you do projections, you don't start with what, 2000, 12 you start with uh, projections based upon old numbers from from you know long ago that sort of thing that includes um, some bad some bad times in there some right. bad markets right yeah yeah it needs to be realistic exactly well and then are there some common what are people's biggest fears or concerns that you commonly encounter so you have an initial meeting someone comes in and you say, well, tell me a little bit about your situation. There's got to be some commonality there with what they're really afraid of or what they're concerned about. What are what are those things commonly? Even those people that are, in fact, maybe more so for those people who are aware of their financial situation, it's, it is the idea of how am I going to make ends meet? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to pick up from the house that I'm in or the apartment that I'm in and disrupt my kids going to a different school? Mm-hmm. We're the, the Charleston area, which extends out here into into Somerville, has a uh, tremendously high cost of living. It's in it is um, the the increase in in rental uh, requirements and the increase in mortgage rates has has caused a lot of people. Hey, how are we going to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there, there's no easy answer. Sometimes there is dependence on family. Sometimes there is a multifamily situation, not yeah. necessarily all, you know, it's a duplex. It's, it's an apartment. Sometimes, unfortunately, when it comes to these life situations, not everybody can continue to live the same way as they were. Sure. And that is by far the, the biggest financial concern. Um, You've got concerns about, you know, children and children and where where my husband or wife can't parent in the way that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not going to have them eating organically. Well, ma'am, not everybody's a bean sprouts kind of guy. Right. But um, it, it's some of the stuff we see is is fairly off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that people are really, really concerned about. And it's it's all emotional management, whether it's financial issues or whether it's uh, children related issues, it's, it's emotional management. Mm-hmm. We're as much counselors as we are counsel. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a, a licensed counselor in any way. I just uh, practiced family law for a dozen yeah. years. Yeah. So it's well, and that's that societal trend that you're talking about where you're hoping that people have some level of maturity where they can self-reflect and look at that and say, okay, well, I want to get to a conclusion so we can both move on with our life. But you probably see that less and less adults being less and less capable of that, or it's tougher for them. And that, that's why I'm kind of interested. So you mentioned earlier that your practice is either primarily or mostly, or you're moving towards a mediation type of framework. So um, what was what was the motivation behind that? What what's why do you think that is the when when it can work? Why do you think that's the way to go? I mean, I agree with you, but I just like to hear you I, say it. 
I used to thrive on the the drama, the daily drama. All right, we're going to fix it. We're going to go to court. We're going to look, you can't act like a, a pain in the rear end and, and not expect some consequences. I enjoyed it. And I think COVID not being able to get into courts as frequently as we could. So it was a lot of, well, I know that he's not paying his child support, but it might not be a, you know, it might be a couple more months than normal to get in. That really hurt not being able to get into court. And um, I just started to, to really dread the next text message or phone call or email that took me out. And there are very, very few cases that either cannot settle between people or should not settle. Um, there are certainly some where people just got to hear it from a judge, but those yeah. are your alternatives, agreement or trial. And trial's expensive, trial's fun sometimes for, for us, um, but it's expensive. And, you know, there, there are times where people are, are God, willing to burn the ships. Uh, they're willing to just go at it. They're happy to spend $50,000 to go after 40. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you just can't control those those folks. You can't control right. that situation. But for the most part, I get a hold of a case at nine o'clock or nine thirty in the morning, and by the end of the day, these folks are done. They have an agreement between them that 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 handles everything. And sure, they might have not necessarily loved it, but nobody likes everything in the family court. We know we're getting close to an agreement when everybody's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Please yell at me about the exact same thing. Say he's getting everything he wants. And then the other room say she's getting everything she wants. I love it. Um, it's nice to be able to affect change in in an eight-hour period that as a litigator sometimes took in excess of a year. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really, it's really nice. Right. Well, it seems like the shift was you got a rush from the litigation before and now the rush has switched to like we were able to do this with a agreeable conclusion in eight hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, longer, sometimes, sometimes right. Longer. Right. But probably not but a year. It's no, 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 that would be, <laughs> right. that would be unfortunate. We, we, yeah. we will go into the wee hours sometimes, but usually it's, it's toward the end of the day. And it's a, when everybody has control, that's where it's best. You know, at best in a litigation situation, you are putting your children and your finances and your retirement and everything along those lines in the hands of a judge that I love our judges. I've got yeah. many friends that are on the bench. Uh, they're better suited for that work than I am, but they don't know these people. He's just like me. I'm just like me. I'm not a CPA. They're not CPAs mm-hmm. and they're going to do their best for sure. But the litigants have no control over it. Why not yeah. let them have control over their own destinies? There are some people who want money now. There are some people who want money in the long term. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's an interesting dynamic to, to measure out and see. Yeah. Yeah, we're all different. That's for sure. Okay, let, let's shift gears just a little bit. I'm curious, going forward, you said you had made a switch to the mediation. Um, used to be high volume, not so much anymore. So what do you kind of see as being the biggest opportunity moving forward for your practice? I only take on a few cases so I can devote a lot more time to them, which is wonderful. Um, Not that they necessarily, maybe time is the wrong way to put it because time is money. Um, Attention is probably the the way to go, undivided attention. Uh, From a mediation standpoint, we have something, I, I keep hearing about 45 people a day moving to this area and it's been that way for years. 
And there's no shortage of, of opportunity for people that are going through that tough time that needed to, to finish up. And the sooner they move on, the sooner they, they move on for kids, they move on for their employers, they move on for themselves. Um, it's, I look forward to, to expanding that and, and continuing to try to do well and continue to learn. I, you know, there's so many different things to learn. As I said, not a CPA, I would, I would love to be able to, to know more instantaneously rather than, um, rather than delegate to, to some of the experts. Yeah. Or have to put in the work. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, now on the flip side of that though, um, what do you think maybe is your biggest challenge or obstacle? something in your practice or in the business that you want to overcome mine or overall because overall could be be overall could be yours it's open-ended overall it's it's the overall degradation of society and Mm -hmm. and expectations um uh, i do think i was fortunate to come in on the economic upswing uh it'll be very interesting to see how this particular living adapts to recession and adapts we have to, to changing times. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that that for a long time, there were situations in which pe- there just wasn't enough money. People couldn't afford to get divorced. Mm-hmm. People couldn't afford to, to move on. And, and I've seen a couple of things, a couple of trends like that recently, but for the most part, people are still sitting on a nice little egg when it comes to equity and, and, you know, their 401ks are still appreciating and, and whatnot for a little while. It was hairy. But terms a little rough. Seeing seeing how it adapts and making sure we adapt ourselves, I think, is, is one of the biggest things. Um aging population is is definitely definitely a challenge. Uh you were starting to see uh, a few more of the the 30, 40 year marriages, mm-hmm. uh, which is always heartbreaking. I, yes. you know, come on, you you've gone 45 years. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Right. Finish it up. Yeah. Right. But there are some there are some people who who have been stifling, you know, happiness for years. And, mm-hmm. and okay, if it's a reality, we'll, we'll guide you through it. But it'll be interesting to see, and kind of frightening to see those who don't have the money set aside. It, it's it's difficult when you've got an older client who's been dependent upon a husband who hasn't been putting things away, or who's, um, you know, rank his his cash flow. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's, well, what do we do now? Right. Sometimes there's no easy answer. Yeah, there isn't. Right. God, Make the depressing. best of a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now let, let's oh. upswing it. Oh. Uh, so if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, I've got a website that that badly needs a redesign. It is uh, lowcountrydivorceandfamilylaw.com. Uh, it is still geared toward litigation and whatnot, but there's, there's some pretty good information on there. Yeah. Um, it is always happy to, to chat about things. And, um, and I also have a, a great network of colleagues that, that I can kind of steer folks to as well. If, if, if we're not a good fit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I encourage everyone to check out the website and uh, Jeffrey, listen, I want to thank you for being here with me today. It's been a great conversation very insightful. I'm happy to spend the time with you. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening, watching the Confident Retirement Podcast, where we are hoping to raise the financial confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Jeffrey, thanks again. Thank you, Chris. 
You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.